Works better. There you go. Good morning. Really good to be here this morning. I'm Randy Lanthrop. I'm the senior pastor of Church in the Valley. I'm uh, mostly in Diamond Bar. It's been several weeks since I've been here, so I thought I'd reintroduce myself to you all. Uh, today, we're going to be wrapping up the message series that we've called Aftermath, and we're looking at how to move forward in the midst of unwanted circumstances in our life. And we've compared them to storms, the aftermath of a storm and picking up the pieces from that and moving on. Here's a brief review of what we've covered in the aftermath series. On Easter, we started the series. We called it Hope Restored. And we saw that when we invite Jesus to lead our lives... He restores hope, and he himself is the wisdom of God. That's what you find in Scripture. And so he he leads us as we give our lives to him. He begins to lead us to grow in wisdom. The second week, part two, we looked at setting the stage, and there are two key characteristics that we need to choose, attitudes that we need to choose for wisdom to grow in us as we deal with various situations and their fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. It's the breakthrough point. We're tunneling through a mountain sort of and the breakthrough point where the light comes in. That's fear of the Lord. And then humility. That plays a role all through our lives. And hopefully we choose it as we deal with the aftermath of things in order to grow in wisdom. It's a real advantage in that. And then part three We looked at the need to lean in. The pipeline that God uses to grow wisdom in us is correction. And so often when, you know, unwanted circumstances occur, we we pull back, we turn away. We don't want to lean in. We shrink away from them. And it's real important to be coachable in those times and to lean in and to try to face what's going on and get the coaching and the help you need uh, from God himself and then from wise coaches that he provides, that helps us get out of the rubble. And then today brings us to part four. We're going to wrap it up today and look at asking the right questions in the aftermath so we can orient ourselves and continue to grow through the trouble we're dealing with. The questions we ask determine the path we choose, and that determines the outcome we experience as we respond to the things going on in our lives. Hey, this is graduation time. I understand it's graduation week for some of you folks. Congratulations. Uh, hey, yeah, that's a lot of work. That, that represents a ton of work, I know. So I really congratulate you and everyone who's going to be graduating this month or next from high school or universities. Um, that, that's, that's a real accomplishment. But now your adventure continues. And for me, most of my adventure began after college. Graduated from college, got married, and the adventure started. In that moment, I I thought I had things figured out. Uh, My brother worked at General Motors in Southgate, which is not far from here, a few miles from here, off the 710, and he got me a job. 
So I got a job six months before I got married, and things were looking really good. It was a good-paying job. Didn't really put my degree into play, but I didn't care. I was just doing something until I went to graduate school. And uh, things were moving right along. And then um, I was laid off a month after I got married. And that was when God really began to teach me some things about life, about faith, about trusting him, about being willing to, in the real nitty-gritty of things, lean on him. That, that was really important for me. We, we tend to make a sharp contrast between uh, the real world and the school world. You know, they, so you see memes like this, you see things like this. And, and I, I would like to say, now, when I went to work at General Motors, I had a college degree. And the other folks online who didn't have a college degree looked at me a certain way, like, yeah, he doesn't know anything. He thinks he knows. <laughs> but he doesn't really know anything. You need both. You need a college degree and you need real life experience experiences to do certain things in life, to, to head down a certain path in life. And that's both are very, very important if you want to do certain things with your life. And so I'm not going to say your education and what you've been dealing with is not the real world. It's been very real, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been totally real <laughs> as you as you walk through those things. But you are about to focus now most of your time, unless you're going to go on and get more education, on building a career. And that means there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for you to continue to grow in wisdom. What you've done is good, and that's to be congratulated. It's a lot of work. But now you, you're moving into an opportunity-rich environment for growing in wisdom. As we said in, mar- in part two and three of this series, we saw how wisdom, 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 it's a combination word, wisdom. It just, it shortens my whole talk by a lot. Wisdom is learned in the streets and in the marketplace, not primarily in the classroom. You can gain some wisdom in the classroom, but it's primarily learned in the marketplace, in the streets, as we live life. Wisdom's calling aloud to us. This is what you see in Proverbs 1. And so you're moving into, and we're all in, an opportunity-rich environment for learning wisdom. Here's a picture of the difference between knowledge and experience. The right kind of experience added to learning from God's Word and wise coaches, as we've been talking about, helps us make the connection between the truth and its application. The Bible shows that evaluated experience is the best kind to have. This is what we want. We want, if you're able to pull back and evaluate what's going on in your circumstances, you can begin to connect the dots like we saw in that picture. This is is incredibly valuable to be able to do this. It's not... A variety of experiences that we need to have. It's not decades of the same experiences, but it's learning to evaluate 
your experiences that makes a person wise. And particularly learning to evaluate them from a specific angle, from God's angle. This is how we grow in wisdom. If we learn wisdom in the aftermath of storms of life, as we've called them, if we learn wisdom, then we can stop the tornado as it's forming sometimes. Or if we're in it, if we're caught up spinning around in the tornado, we can minimize the impact on our lives because we're making choices that help us move away from it, out of it, and get out of the tornado spin. So the Bible teaches, as, as we're having experiences, as we're walking through life, it teaches that in the aftermath, it's wise to consider your way. This is what you find. Are there unwanted circumstances recycling in your life right now? There may be. Maybe you're, you, you, you can feel the tornado forming or you're in it. Maybe you keep running out of money before the month is over. Debt is keeping you from enjoying life. In relationships, you're having the same arguments. And it feels like you're on a merry-go-round and you're really sick and tired of the tune it's playing. That song is really getting old. At work, you might be running into the same problems and dealing with the same snags and projects repeatedly. And, you know, you've even changed jobs, but they followed you where you changed to go to. Solomon was an ancient king of Israel who wrote most of what's labeled in the scripture as wisdom literature. And he was a very wise king. God blessed him with wisdom. And one day he left his palace and was walking through the streets of the city. And he came upon a situation that caused him to reflect. And this is, this is what he said. This is what he saw and this is what he said. Proverbs 24. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When my grass gets high at my yard, I think of this verse. <laughs> I think, uh oh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. But anyway, this is what he sees. He sees a field that's overgrown and he begins to evaluate what this is saying about the man who owns the field. And he says, then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. Now, this was originally written in Hebrew. And the word translated considered here helps us know how to evaluate our experiences. It gives us a clue into it. It's a combination of the Hebrew word for heart and a word that means to set. So, and, and the picture in my mind is that word to set, it's heart and to set, and it's like setting a diamond in a beautiful setting, like in a ring or a piece of jewelry of some kind. So that's, that's the idea. So it's our heart, that's what it means to consider something. Our heart sets what we see in its place. That's, that's the picture you see in that passage. 
Heart in the Bible doesn't refer to our emotions alone, but it's our decision-making core. It's the very inner person of who we are. That's what, that's what heart in the scripture is. And so what Solomon is doing and therefore teaching us to do is he, he's teaching us to observe a situation that stirs something inside of us and put it in its setting. So, you know, our emotions are involved, but in our core, we're thinking this over. Something has happened, and we're beginning to mull it over, to think it over, to consider it. And what Solomon's saying is, put it in its place. File it away in its proper setting so you can use it later on. That's the picture in this passage. It's a very important thing to understand. In English, a simple person is an ignorant person or uh, a gullible person. In Hebrew, the word simple, and it's not in this passage, but it helps us understand something about growing in wisdom because it's, it's, it's a, it's a very basic word for fool in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, in the Bible. And in Hebrew, the word used for simple defines someone who is too open. They're, they're just open to all kinds of ideas and thoughts. And as things flow by, they're just, you know, soaking it all in. And that's what it means to be a simple person from the Hebrew Old Testament perspective. In other words, they never close the loop on their thoughts. They just, they just leave them hanging out there. That's what a simple person does. So Solomon here, what he's saying is, don't live your life without considering things. And secondly, don't just consider all of the possibilities, draw conclusions. Set the, the, what you're seeing in reality, set what you're experiencing in its proper place. We, we need help to do that. We really need the right kind of perspective. Solomon goes on to say, I looked at all this. He gave it his undivided attention. He was really focused on this, and he received instruction. This is the word we looked at. I I, I believe Alex took you through last week, musar, which is the Hebrew word for discipline or instruction. or It literally means correction like a coach gives. So he received coaching. He received instruction by looking at this field. He's, he's on a walk. He sees some weeds. And usually what goes through my mind is, wow, that guy needs to mow. But what he's doing is he's, he's giving it more thought. He's thinking about the implications of this. He's putting, he's putting the implications in their place. And he's gaining wisdom through it. Now, he's not doing this. As he looks at the outcome of the choices the other guy made, he's not doing it to judge him, but he is doing it to learn from him. This is the best way to learn. Learn from somebody else, not your own pain. 
learn from their pain, the knots they're getting on their head. This is the best way. And it's hard not to judge, but we don't judge, but we want to learn from what we see, from our own choices and consequences and from the people around us. In the next couple of verses, you see the principle that Solomon files away. This is what he draws out of this. This is a conclusion he's drawn. Verse 33 and 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So he's connecting a dot here. This isn't just experience. This is experience where he's connecting it to truth. And and when when I read this verse the first time, I, when at least it, it might have been the first time I really heard God speak to me through it, I was about 19. I'm pretty sure I was about 19, and it slapped me in the face because I realized my native tendency is to sleep in, not to get up and go do what I need to do. And I, I had never made the connection between laziness and destruction. I, I'd never made that connection, but Solomon makes it pretty clear here. And God had him write that down so you and I could learn. There's a connection here. That's a dot that we connect. I just hadn't seen the destructive edge of laziness until I read this. This is, this is how it is when you get into God's Word. He, he speaks to you through it. He gives you perspective on what you're doing in life and the experiences and circumstances you're dealing with and he helps you connect the dots when we see unwanted circumstances or consequences in our life or the life of others we need to connect the dot from the life pattern that led to the problems and write it on our heart so we can stop it or avoid it if we aren't into it Considering our way is crucial for growing wisdom when dealing with unwanted circumstances. And, and what this means is we have to write the, we have to ask the right questions. And I'd like to turn the corner in the message now and look at a practical guide for asking the right questions. And there, there are only two points, but there's a process I think that will be helpful. Under the second point, the first step in the manual, a uh, practical guide is stop asking the wrong questions. That's pretty easy. Isn't it? <laughs> if we're going to ask the right questions, we've got to stop asking the wrong ones. Asking the right questions is vital to getting out of the, the harmful ruts that we're in, the patterns where we've created grooves and we, we're familiar with them, we like them. But most of the time, we need to stop our native reflexes and the questions we tend to ask so that we can get to the right ones. In the aftermath, when things feel like they're spinning out of control, there are certain questions we shouldn't ask. Ecclesiastes 7.10, which is also written by Solomon, says this, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. This is a practical example of a bad question to ask in the aftermath because it puts our heart in reverse. It, it, 
we turn from whatever it is that's going on right here, the circumstance, the storm, and we turn away from it and we look backward. Our heart goes in reverse when we ask this kind of question. You ever caught yourself asking this question? There are times when my heart tugs and even yanks me toward asking this kind of question. Why was life so much better when I was, you fill in your blank, say elementary school. Maybe you had a good time there, maybe not. But I had a pretty good time in elementary school. My mom spoiled the tar out of me. And I, 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 I love that period of my life. You can fill in your own prime of life. But why was life so much better when I was in elementary school? The answer is other people were taking the pain for me. My dad was getting up and he was going to work every day. He was old when I was born. He was 44 when I was born. He kept getting up and going to work. He's an electrician. He had to crawl in the crawl spaces. He came home tired. He was taking the pain for me. My mom was absorbing all my folly. <laughs> throughout the day when I went went to school, when I came home from school. That's why. Why was it so much better in elementary school? Other people were paying the pain, taking the pain for me. And, and that's what it means to be an adult. You take the pain for other people. You stand in the gap for them. You set them up to do well. That's what it is. Why me is another question we ask. This is a normal question. Why me? Why, why is this happening to me? These are dangerous questions because they, they lead us to blame others. And they're really counterproductive. There, there's, there's a normal sense of understanding that helps us move forward. But to keep asking why me, why is this happening to me, why is this going on, is not helpful. Sometimes we think if my, my parents or my spouse would have treated me differently, I would have been a lot better off. And, and the answer to that question is, you know, most people are doing the best they can based on their own background and all that they're dealing with. And so we, we just got to make sure that we stop asking the wrong questions and start asking the right ones. Do you ask any of those questions in your own life? The why questions? Why couldn't it be like it was in the good old days, or why me, why is this happening to me? My heart and mind can go there, for sure. Reading our own circumstances, however, is crucial, and it's a, it's a daily battle. So take a moment and think it over. If, if you're taking notes, jot down the type of questions you tend to ask in trouble. Do you deal with complaining? Maybe you ask complaining questions. Comparing, blaming, or why questions. Second key to asking the right questions is to develop the ability to read circumstances and respond wisely. This is what we want to focus on here. We want to learn how to read our circumstances, ask the right questions so we can Respond wisely. Most productive questions start with what and how. 
What do I need to do right now to be able to see clearly? What does God say about this? That's a really good question. What does God say about what I'm dealing with here? How can I respond in a way that will help me move toward a solution? Not, not why is this happening? Why couldn't it be in, you know, like it was in the good old days? But what can I do right now to start moving in the right direction? It just shifts your focus totally. How can I bring peace to this situation? What and how questions help us consider the circumstances? There's, there's a helpful process developed by Colonel John Boyd, uh, who was a pilot and military strategist and later became a flight instructor. Uh, instructor. He, he was known for his 40 seconds challenge. And what he would do is he would challenge uh, his students that he was instructing uh, to become pilots. Uh, he would challenge them to a bet that he could defeat them from a position of disadvantage in the air in a plane in 40 seconds or less. He never lost. So he, he was good. So he'd, he'd take a position of disadvantage and he would beat them in 40 seconds or less. He came up with four steps to help pilots know how to read, evaluate, and then act in the short amount of time that they have to in, in a dogfight, in combat. His process can help us as we evaluate in the aftermath. It's called the OODA loop. That's what it's known as. Uh, the OODA loop is observe, orient, decide, and then act. So that's the flow of the process. And Solomon... What he was doing is he was saying, you, you need to consider your way. You need to observe. And then we need orientation. Then we've got to make a decision. Then we need to choose to act. I'd like to show you a brief clip from the movie Top Gun that gives us a feel for how quickly pilots have to decide, evaluate, and act in the moment. Here, here's the clip. So there you go. That's that's all we get. When I first saw that movie, I was I was tense during those scenes. Now, I've never been in a dogfight, but I've been in a lot of situations where it felt like one <laughs> where I had to make a decision very quickly about what I was going to say or do. And the amount of time that we have to make a decision is, is sort of like an accordion. We either have a short amount of time or a longer period of time. But what we need to do for sure is observe. We need to read our circumstances, evaluate what's going on, and then act in a way that's, that's hopefully in a way that's wise. Pilots have a few seconds 
in a dogfight. And we have a short time in some situations to decide what we're going to say or do longer in others. But before you and I make a decision, we need information. We, we, need, we need to know. We need to observe. We need to take in as much as we can in the moment. Without observation, you may react emotionally and multiply your problems. And so observing is important. Here are some questions to help us observe and gain wisdom as we evaluate our life, our experiences. What outcomes and experiences do I experience repeatedly? What, what is it that seems, is there a pattern of things? Do I have the same conflict? Do I have the same snags and projects? Are there things I, I, I just keep running into as I live my life, as I relate to people, as I handle my responsibilities? Another good question to help us observe is who can I talk to for the perspective and insight I need? Who, who's someone I can go to to give me the help I need here? Ultimately, to observe and see clearly, we, we need God's help. What Walking with God provides insight and his word provides the boundaries and guidelines for how to live and respond to all sorts of situations in life. After we observe, we orient. That was the second part of the loop, the U loop. We orient ourselves. When you begin a relationship with Jesus, we talked about this first week, his resources are made available to you. They flow into your life. And he begins to live in us and through his spirit, as we read scripture, we can learn to see God's angle on things that we're dealing with. And so I want to encourage you to make and keep two appointments. On a regular basis. The first one, if you want to orient yourself in the midst of the experiences you're having in life, in the in midst of the consequences you're facing, the first appointment is make and keep an appointment with God. You, you do this by praying and by getting into Scripture. Spend time with Him every day. He has the ability to turn the lights on. You're not just going through experiences, but he is able to speak to you about those through his word. The second appointment, if you have more time to orient yourself in the situation, if these are life patterns that you see, make an appointment with a wise person and keep it. They can help you see what's going on in your circumstances. We, we can't see as much as someone who's outside the situation looking from a different perspective. If, if we can see differently, we can act differently. This is what orientation is about. Just having experiences doesn't make us wiser. We need to evaluate them, to learn from them, to avoid making the same mistakes. And when we go to a wise person, it's going to require humility. Now we're back to setting the stage for growing in wisdom because you're going to need to lay out what's going on, even the stuff that makes you look bad. If you're going to talk about a situation, a circumstance, you need to just lay it out there and say, this is, this is what's happening. Can you help me get oriented on how I can deal with this? That, that's very, very important. Find people who've been blessed 
by God, by doing his will and experiencing good outcomes in the area you want to grow. We get oriented by observing patterns and seeking God. Then we need to take steps to get out of the rubble. To close the loop, we need to take action, which brings us to decide. We make a commitment to act based on our knowledge of what pleases God and is wise, and then we act. So we we close the loop. We just don't leave it out there hanging. This is going on. I'm experiencing this. These are thoughts I'm having. These are feelings I'm having. I'm just going to leave it hanging there. No, I'm going to close the loop. I'm going to do what seems wise. I'm going to take action. I'm going to take a step. And then you act and the loop begins again because you're going to have some results from your action. And what you want to do is make note of the results, file them in the proper place, learn from them, good and bad, and then ask God to help you to see what's going on, orient yourself in the right direction, decide and act. He will do this. God will help. So learning to ask the right questions is crucial as we walk through life. And as I wrap up the message this morning, I'd like to ask you if you would to check out the next steps on the back of the connection card. You you can decide um, yourself to take some steps as a result of hearing this message. The connection card is uh, what was drawn attention to earlier in the service, and you can complete it by filling out anything you haven't had an opportunity uh, if you'd like. Um, And then here are some suggestions on next steps you could take as a result of our message. The first one is ask some right questions. In other words, where, where is God instructing me in the aftermath right now? What is causing pressure and unwanted circumstances in my life. Often this is where God's at work. This is where he wants to grow our wisdom because that's, that's, that's out in real life. That's what's happening there. And then another question, what am, I, what am I needing to step back and think over right now with God's help, maybe the help of a wise person? What is it that I need to think over and consider this morning? And then another step would be to either observe, orient, decide, act. Maybe you're stuck on observing and orienting. And you just need to make a decision and move forward. I'm not quite sure. Circle which one of those that you'd like to start with this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth in your word that guides us, it helps us, it strengthens us, and gives us clarity on the things that we're going through in life. And I I ask God that as you've laid things on our heart this morning, that you give us the power and the energy we need to step out and follow you in these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.